Hello and welcome back to the Virgin Disruptors podcast, the series all about creating change in the world of business and beyond, identifying and enabling the steps needed to shake things up. So far, we've been looking at themes such as purpose, behaviour, consumption and the planet, and learning how some of our world's leading business figures are working hard to make a positive impact. My definition of a disruptor is somebody who's willing to take risks, who's willing to go against the flow and risk. Sometimes they might make mistakes in order to make successes. Well, this episode's a little bit different, as we prepare to take a trip into the future to talk about the way virtual and augmented reality is going to disrupt life as we know it. Our speaker today is Daniel Cheatham, CIO at Happy Finish, a content company with leading expertise in these alternate worlds. He'll be broaching how these technologies will change the way we interact with our environment and with each other, whilst also looking at how a virtual approach can help problem-solve real-world issues. One of the things I really enjoyed was the description Daniel gave about the time and place we're in in the world and the exponential growth we're about to see in these technologies and in their application. So without further ado, let's welcome Daniel Cheatham to the stage, recorded live at Virgin Disruptors in London. Hi there. Okay, so I'm here to talk about the difficult, um, or actually simple topics of AR, augmented reality, virtual reality, mixed reality, and a little bit of artificial intelligence as well. I've been working in this field for about six years now, and I've seen firsthand how the supercomputers that we're creating are promoting the growth of these technologies really quickly. One of the challenges of the visual end of these technologies, augmented, virtual, mixed reality, is to convey the power of them, um, how immersive they are, without actually letting you all have a go here today. So I'll talk a little bit about what the HoloLens is. Um, it's a holographic headset created by Microsoft. It's a really powerful piece of kit. It effectively is reading the geometry of the world around it, and it allows the user to see holograms that are interacting with the space that it understands. We've created a specific demo just for today. It's a pretty simple demo. We've imagined what it would be like to view Virgin Atlantic live flight data on a holographic map that Marco can interact with with gesture. One of the powers of these devices is effectively that multiple people around the world can be interacting in real time with the same hologram. So, I mean, in this, in this instance, one could imagine that air traffic controllers around the world could interact with a 3D map of data. Okay, so this is an event about disruption. I thought I'd start with a topic which feels a little bit fanciful. And with the rate of change, with artificial intelligence clearly being fostered by supercomputers, by super powerful computers, and the promise of virtual reality and that it will eventually become indistinguishable from the real world around us, it sort of makes it a little bit more plausible that the concepts which seem like science fiction that are brought to life in films like The Matrix can actually be true. Maybe we are living in a synthesized, simulated reality. So it's not a new idea. Plato was playing around with that concept hundreds of years ago with his cave. And also a guy called Nick Bostrom, who's an Oxford lecturer, released a paper in 2003 that hypothesized what we might do with supercomputers, artificial intelligence and VR, is to create simulations of human beings, conscious, sentient human beings, and rerun history with multiple variations. And the more supercomputing power we have, the more simulations we could run. 
So it raises a, a, an interesting question. Would it be more likely that we are one of the sentient, conscious beings in that simulation, or are we lucky enough to be the first biological beings who are running those simulations? It gives me brain freeze a little bit, thinking about that. But in fact, it doesn't actually change anything. Even if we are in a simulation right now, a virtual simulation, and if, for example, I was a Buddhist, I might believe in rebirth, it's not really different to reboot. Okay, that's probably enough of the fanciful speculation around simulation theory, as cool and weird as that is. Bringing it back to reality, what I want to try to cover now are the topics of augmented, virtual and mixed reality, how they're being used in meaningful ways already today, and actually raise a word of warning about their use in future. And I'm going to shirk a little bit of responsibility. Um, I'm going to point the finger to other people whose responsibility for caring for those technologies in the future it is. If there's anyone out there who's currently wondering what is he talking about, what is mixed reality, what is augmented reality, what's the difference, this continuum hopefully will go some way to explaining the difference in those technologies. So here on the left-hand side, we have reality, or the reality that we perceive around us, that we've known for years. Next up, we have augmented reality. Obviously, that's pretty topical. We've got Pokemon Go, which has hit the news pretty hard over the past months. Augmented reality is when we're adding augmented assets to a live camera feed, and that's generally on a mobile device. Next up, that's augmented virtuality. So that's when the device that's mediating between my brain and the real world actually understands the world around it. It's merging realities. And finally, virtual reality, which is, I think, the poster boy of this suite of technologies at the moment. And that's potentially the most isolating of technologies. This is a linear continuum. It goes from reality to virtuality. It's a spectrum. But it could be argued that it should be circular. When virtual reality becomes indistinguishable from the real world, it becomes reality, to my view, at least. You're listening to the Virgin Disruptors podcast, featuring Daniel Cheatham, CIO at Happy Finish, and an expert in virtual and augmented reality. I loved how Daniel's bringing science fiction to life on stage. And also coming up, we've got more on this idea of responsibility, which is a really important consideration when we're talking about where digital and real worlds collide. I should also mention that during his speech, Daniel gave some really cool examples of these technologies in action. If you want to see his full presentation, you can head to the Virgin channel on YouTube. And remember, there's plenty more on the subject of disruption over at virgin.com too. So now, let's return for more of Daniel Cheatham. And before we head back to the stage at Virgin Disruptors, here's a few words with him backstage. <laughs> Is disruption bullshit? Um, I guess not, because it happens. Um, what's disruption really about? I guess it's about personal endeavour. It's about being willing to take some risks and evolve. I think it is easier for small businesses to disrupt the market because they tend to be more agile, more fleet of foot, and able to stay up and abreast of new developments, particularly in technology, that will help them move faster. The key is to invest in young talent, investing in people who have that youthful abandon, people who are willing to fail and learn fast. So now let's return to the stage for more with Daniel Cheatham, recorded live at Virgin Disruptors. 
Okay, so we're going to be hearing a lot about VR gaming over the coming months, and particularly with the Sony PlayStation VR launching to market. Oculus Rift was purchased by Facebook about two years ago now for two billion US dollars, which is, I think, probably the most well-known VR headset on the market at the moment. Which sort of gives an insight into what businesses are thinking about virtual reality. It's here to stay. Two years prior to the purchase for two billion dollars. It was kickstarted to the tune of two and a half million US dollars. So you can see that's a pretty meteoric journey that this particular headset and company has been on over the last four or so years. So I mentioned the meaningful uses of these technologies. So you can see our very own Tim Peake on the International Space Station wearing the Hololens. This was a test, and it was a test to see how it could work. So imagine a scenario: Tim's on the space station. He needs to undertake some repairs on the space station that he doesn't innately know how to do. I'm back on Earth in Fort Lauderdale. I'm with NASA, and I can instruct him by viewing his vision. I can see what Tim is seeing, and I can annotate in his vision in real time. So that's what holographic reality or mixed reality, the Hololens, would allow me to do. Another meaningful use, which I think is really powerful, is how VR and these technologies are being used in healthcare. So the treatment of, for example, post-traumatic stress disorder, when we can offer the sufferers the ability to re-engage with the things that are causing the PTSD in a controlled and immersive way, gradually helping them overcome the disorder. Similar use case with phobia treatment as well. Scientists at the University of Washington have created VR games to help people who are going through painful hospital treatments. Deal with that treatment. So what they found is that, firstly, the patients being asked when having had VR during the treatment what it was like, they were less anxious going into the treatment, and in fact stated they felt less pain, which sort of brings to life how VR is helping. And in education, personally, I think this is one of the most powerful uses of virtual reality, with programs such as Google Expeditions. And I know Google Expeditions was part of the previous Virgin Disruptors event. This is where 30 or so Google Cardboard headsets are distributed to a class of pupils, and the teacher can control the contents and 360 3D panoramas that are delivered to those students in real time, and actually annotate those as well, bringing to life points of interest. So a very immersive journey of discovery. We use this quote quite a lot when talking about the power of virtual reality in education. And also in general, it's purportedly Confucius, but I don't think anyone can can actually tell us that's true. It says, "Tell me and I will forget. Show me and I may remember. Involve me and I'll understand." And a note to the marketeers in the room: This is sort of predominantly what my company, Happy Finish, does. We use these technologies to convey brands to their audiences. Nielsen released a report two or three weeks ago, and it's statistics, of course, but VR and 360-degree video. Prompts 28 times more brand recall than when that brand appears in traditional advertising, and the recall of 360-degree content in general is eight times higher, and consumers are three times as likely to buy after seeing an ad in virtual reality. Personally, I hope that's true. Okay, so it's my view and many others' view that we're here and we're seeing this this rise to the plateau of productivity with these technologies. But I think we're about to go really big. It's hard to speculate what cool new uses of these technologies we will discover in the coming months and years. 
but with that opportunity also comes some risk. Myself and my team get referred to as experts quite a lot. I'd argue that in an embryonic, fast-moving technology space, it's very difficult to become experts. You have to keep moving. And we have this mentality, it's a little bit of Silicon Valley mentality, actually, that you've got to fail fast and learn fast. In the pursuit of innovating with these technologies, you've got to be afraid not to fail. And that's somewhat of a, a youthful abandon. Um, be willing to take on challenges, knowing that the result might be that you fail. And it's to myself and Dr. Mar Marco's somewhat distaste that the average age of my team working on these technologies is 24 at the moment. And I think we bring that age up a little bit. Really, the duty of caring for these technologies will come down to and the, the duty of making sure we don't end up in that horrible hyper-reality will come down to the generations which are growing up with these technologies being ubiquitous, um, who will know how to leverage them and immerse other people in worlds of their making. And as we know, with other mediums in the past, those who can make us believe something with the use of a medium can will us to do what they want us to do. And that's quite a big danger. So I'll just round up on, on talking about convergence a little bit. And whether it's the virtual, augmented, mixed, or the real reality, what I'm seeing, and I think what we're all going to start seeing, is they're going to merge into one. And just to that point, who's going to control this, and why there's a duty of care in that control? But Oscar Wilde said, one's real life is so often the life that one does not lead. Thank you. Huge thanks to Daniel Cheatham, recorded live there at the recent Virgin Disruptors event in London. I think we're at such an extraordinary time in this world of virtual and augmented reality, and Daniel truly is at the leading edge of this development globally. Remember, if you want to find out more about Virgin Disruptors or check out some of our previous episodes, you can head to virgin.com for all the latest. Coming up next time on the Virgin Disruptors podcast, we'll be joined by research and development expert Dom Price from software giant Atlassian who'll be talking a little about how to get the best out of yourself and your team, trying something new and breaking habits. We've some words from him coming up at the end of the show as a little preview. But for now, from me, Holly Ransom, and the Virgin Disruptors team, goodbye. Disruption backfires all the time. Like, if you don't accept and understand that, then you're really not taking any risks, right? You're not actually pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. I think the disruption that I try and do on a daily basis is understanding the way I used to work and how my environment's changing so I can work differently in the future. That involves a crystal ball. That crystal ball is not very reliable. So there's lots of things I try that don't work for me. Um, you have to be humble and, and, and have to have some humility to understand that. And you have to surround yourself with people who are confident enough to share that news with you. Otherwise, they'll just agree with you all the time. And that's when really bad. 